Hello, welcome to the Doing CX Right podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, devoted to helping leaders like you intentionally increase brand loyalty and cultivate better relationships by doing customer experience right. Not talking or thinking about it, but really taking action and doing experience management the right way. This show is about guided steps to achieve better human and business outcomes, which has nothing to do with competing on price. This season of shows digs deep into new research and case studies reviewed with highly acclaimed authors and experts. Plus, you'll hear my insights as a practitioner working with various sectors and organizations. Besides business, you'll also hear personal stories and invaluable lessons to fuel your personal growth as we bring our whole self to work. Please share this podcast with others who can benefit and subscribe to my newsletter at doingcxright.com for updates and helpful resources to advance your business and career. Today, I'm speaking with Joe Calloway, a distinguished business coach and speaker with a deep understanding of customer experience. Our conversation focuses primarily on how companies can elevate themselves beyond the ordinary, moving from being seen as just another option in the market to becoming a category one business. You'll hear us talk about real world examples of organizations that have achieved this status. Joe breaks down the journey of these companies from identifying their unique value proposition to implementing strategies that set them apart. Also, we talk about tiebreakers that successful companies use not only to attract, but retain their customers, offering practical advice that you can apply in your business immediately. So now let's get started. Hello, Joe Calloway. Welcome to the Doing CX Right Show. It's great to be here. I wouldn't be anywhere else. Oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing your heartbeats with us now. As my friend says, I quote her, uh, I love, love the work that you're doing, the content that you're sharing. And so let's dive deep. First, who are you? What do you do for a living? Well, what I did for a living, Stacy, for a long, long, long time was I did, I, I was a, a speaker for corporate events, spoke all over the world, actually ha- had a, a range of subjects on the journey, everything from uh, culture, leadership, branding, ended up, it's interesting, it ended up in kind of a combination of leadership and customer experience. And evolved into, now most of my work is, I don't really do speeches anymore. I do a lot of one-on-one advisory work with entrepreneurs, with owners of small businesses, with CEOs of some pretty big businesses. And so um, I, I've, cha- I've kind of changed the delivery system. But what I do now, since I've, I'm not on the road anymore that much, I'm involved with four companies. Two of them are real estate development companies. Uh, One of them is a snowboard ski manufacturing company that we've got. And then the other one, which is a lot of fun, is I'm in the um, wholesale Kentucky bourbon business. But all of those businesses are very customer focused. And so Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm taking 
uh, I'm trying to practice what I preach. Love that. Why such passion around customer experience, customer service? Why devote your career to that? Yeah, you know, it's it's not anything mysterious or complicated. As I worked with companies, I, I would notice the ones that were obviously a, a step up, a step above the others that were a category of one. And the one thing, they had a number of things in common, but one was they all had leadership that was extremely customer experience focused. And Mm -hmm. that just kind of caught my imagination and it caught my interest. And so I dove deep on that. and, and, And that's what it was. It's just like all of the great companies tend to be doing a lot of these same things in common. And when I say things, same, same things in common, I'm not talking about them copying each other. I'm not talking tactically as much as I am values, philosophy, and strategy. But there were a lot of common threads, and they all ended up at the customer. So when I say doing customer experience right, doing CX right, which is the theme of this show, what does that mean to you and your perspective? What it means to me is to start at the beginning because a lot of people, a a, a lot of people say, well, let's not talk about the basics. Let's talk about something really special. No, let me rein you back in. Let's talk about the basics because great customer experience starts with this, flawless execution of what you promised. There's a company, and I've got a great example of what can happen. Hopefully, they're on the rebound. Uh, For years, everybody wrote about, spoke about, every customer service survey, customer satisfaction had them at the top. I was a huge, huge fan. And, and a customer, still a customer, Southwest Airlines. Everybody loves Southwest Airlines. They're so friendly. The flight attendants tell funny stories. Wow, cherry on top, cherry on top. Isn't it just great? And then last winter, the airplane stopped running because they hadn't invested enough in their systems. Listen, when you stop delivering on your promise, I don't care what special sauces you have going Nobody cares. You, uh, I've always said, and people go, well, surely that's not enough. But I've always said this. I've said, win on the basics. Win on the basics and you win. And people say, well, you got to do more than that. No, wait, wait, wait a minute. I'm not saying be adequate or be as good as everybody else on the basics. If you can win, I mean win on your customers' basic expectations, that's huge. And it's hard. It's not easy to do that. But a lot of times, I think when people think customer experience, oh, I'll give you a concrete example. Restaurant that uh, was featured in an article, and they said, we've got a regular customer that was at home sick. She posted on social media, I'm at home sick. If only I could have a bowl of whatever soup from my favorite restaurant, so-and-so. So, Stacy, guess what they did? They boxed up a bowl of soup, and they took it to her. And in the article, they said, 
that's how we treat our customers. And I said, mm-hmm. no, that's how you treated one customer on one special day. And that'll happen maybe five times in the course of the year. The way you treat your customers is how easy is parking? How quickly does the host or hostess come up and greet you when you walk into the restaurant? How quickly do you get seated? How quickly do they take your order? Is the food good? Is the food warm when it's brought to your table or cold if it's supposed to be cold when it's brought to your table? That's how you treat your customer. But people love to go to this cherry on top stuff and my philosophy. And listen, I'm all for that. I love all the, the special little cool things that we do. But instead of worrying about putting the cherry on top of the cake, make a better cake. That's way harder work. And people a lot of times want to say, give me a secret shortcut to get to great customer service. There's really not a shortcut. I love this comment. And we're really emphasizing here consistency and common practice, not the one-offs, right? It's the one, it's not the one-offs. Let me tell you a couple of things about that. You, You just flipped a switch with me. I've always said that there are some companies that unfortunately should put a sign up over their front door that says, feel lucky, come on in. And then down in the bottom in parentheses, it'll say, depends on who you get. And we can all relate to that. Here's the thing. We, we, consistency, a couple of comments. If I were to say to you, you've got a company of whatever, you've got 500 employees, a lot of them are customer facing. And I say, so Stacy, who should I go to for great customer service in your company? What would, what would the best answer be? Any of them. I'm not going to send you to this one or that one or that one. Close your eyes, point. Whoever you point at will give you great customer service. And, and oh my gosh, I was working with a, a, a grocery store chain and one of the, the managers said, we've got a superstar in our grocery store. It, she, she mostly does checkout. And if you look at our checkout lines, there's eight of them. There will be two in this line, one in that line. And in her line, there's 20 people waiting because she's so good. Isn't that great? And I said, no, that's really, really not great. You've got one person out of eight that your customers want to deal with. And, you know, consistency of performance among employees, that's hard. That's not easy. But because it takes a tremendous investment in time, in training, but not just training, attention from leadership, from, from CEO, all the way down through all the management levels. And so it's hard stuff, but, yeah. but that's how you do it. I actually put on LinkedIn yesterday an article and commented on the topic is Toys R Us is making a comeback. And they're opening some stores for the holiday and thereafter. And it's a great topic because I wrote, will they thrive or will they go back to the graveyard? And so I comment on that. What is your view of brands that are very nostalgic (laughs) Toys R Us for sure. I still sing the lingo. I'm a Toys R Us kid. And 
How do you become a category one again? You know, it's two things because the first thing that comes to mind, obviously, is online competition. The thing about Toys R Us that I think was their big category of one advantage among brick and mortar stores truly was the experience. It was a giant playground. And the other stores, not as much. And so you remember the jingle because you were a Toys R Us kid and you went to toy, you could play at Toys R Us. Well, then online comes along and mom (laughs) or dad or both can just sit in the living room and order, you know, all the toys they need for Christmas off of Amazon. And so two things, does Toys R Us decide to compete online or do they say, and I don't know what their strategy is, you may know what they're thinking about online, but they're going to have to become a magnet to get them back in the store physically. They're going to have to become a magnet for kids that want to play because you can beat them on price somewhere. You can get the same toy somewhere else somewhere. But if you've got three kids saying, Mom, we want to go to Toys R Us, we want to go to Toys R Us, then boom, that, that's that's your differentiator right there. So you, you've got to really up the ante on that, uh, that in-store playground experience. Well, I also think what we're saying here is that those brands, I think a blockbuster... I remember going and feeling the box and, and yes. experience, right? So, and there's one store left of Blockbuster, but yes. with Toys R Us, Blockbuster, and these other brands, actually, yes, it's the kids saying, I want to go. And it's our generation that remembers going. And actually, I would enjoy the feeling, the nostalgia, the memory. So... It's a perfect case where yeah. online is not the only way. And it's it, there is some tradition that works. That's a, that's a tough fight, but people still go to stores. You know, yeah. the, the shopping malls come and go. There are a lot of them here where I am in Nashville. There are three that I can think of that have been torn down, but they were replaced by outdoor malls. There's still stores, there's still places you can go, but it's just not the old configuration anymore. It's tough, it's a whole new world now because you do, most companies, most retail retail companies have to have an online strategy. But if you can win that battle of getting them in the stores, that's where you're gonna create customers that will go out and talk about you. They don't talk about buying something online, but they talk about the that just what you were saying, that visceral experience of you got to go there. You got to go there. Yeah. So let's go back to being a category one and yeah. going from being a commodity and defying comparisons, talk about that. Listeners now hear 
all different business sizes. They're saying, yes, I want to be a category one in my industry. What's your advice to them? Well, my advice to them, a couple of things. Number one, I think this is, when I look at category one companies, one thing that they all are really great at, Stacey, they really have absolute clarity on who their market is. They know Mm. exactly who their target customer is. And they say, okay, for this target customer, how can we be more relevant, more helpful, create more fun, joy, opportunity, whatever it is, uh, than anybody else? And I've got a, a classic example that's been a category one for many, 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 many years. Uh, I've done a lot of work with them. Most of the people listening to us right now uh, have at least heard of this company. Some of them are customers. There are millions of families where one or both, the mom and or dad, have a job in town. You know, they've got a job. They're, They're a banker or whatever. But they've got 50 acres or 100 acres. They've got two horses. They've got 12 goats. They've got maybe a couple of cows. Uh, they, they raise, they, they've got a six acre garden uh, and, and they actually sell at the farmer's market and they do it because they love it. So if I'm one of those farmers and I'm living in Montana and I'm kind of new to this being out on that much and I say, wait a minute, in the winter, there's snow that's blowing over part of my property and it doesn't need to be there. At least not in the big, you know, huge mounds that I'm getting. I need a snow fence, which is a real thing. Where should I go? You go to Tractor Supply Company. Because if you are that small farmer, there are other stores that sell everything that they sell. But you can't find everything that they sell all in one place except there. Because they know their market and their customers so well, they've got this just science of an inventory mix. And they know that what they sell is what their customers want. They are extremely relevant. And if you needed, if you say, I've got to weld something, I don't know how to weld, they've probably got a welding expert. They've got animal experts. So they not only sell you the stuff, they'll say, okay, let me tell you how you do this. And you will see if people will start paying attention to pickup trucks and you're in any kind of a rural area at all, you're going to see tractor supply company bumper stickers on the back of a ton of pickup trucks. They're a category one. And Stacy, they the leadership w- works so hard every day, 24-7, to be sure that everybody has clear, everybody in the warehouse, in in HR, certainly in the stores. What's important here? What are our values? And mm-hmm. and they leadership invest a tremendous amount of time on everybody knowing that. Who else is a category one and why? You know. There's a category of one company that that I'm a customer of, and it is a bank. 
of it's Pinnacle Bank uh, in the Southeast. And here's their thing. Their claim is we truly have the best people. Okay, everybody says that. Everybody says it's our people. But they could pretty much back it up. Let me give you a personal story. My wife and I were going through an adoption process. Gosh, how long ago? 18 years ago now, or 15 years ago now. And it was was a a little girl from China. And the, the date was changed on when a bunch of documents were due. It was a surprise. We were like, wait a minute. We've got about 30 documents that we've got to get notarized. And we've got to have them at a place tomorrow. And the agency said, our bad, but we messed up, but we've got to have those. I went to the branch bank and I went to my banker. And if my banker hadn't been there, I would have gone to the other of my bankers. And I mean, they're mine. They know me, I know them. I went to Cheryl, said, Cheryl, I need every notary you got. And I know it's closing time. She said, forget closing time. Let's go in the meeting room. She called everybody in. They stayed after hours. Now, this truly is one of, an example of going above and beyond. So uh, it's not just the basics. I'm a fan. But they notarized and then made copies on their copy machine. Anyway, I had a problem. They immediately brought everything they needed to bear to solve that problem. Tell me if you think I'm going to remotely consider doing business with another bank. I don't care what interest they pay. I don't care what they charge me for my checking account. I don't even look at it. What I know is these are my people. And classic, when you call them, you don't get a recording. You get a real person. So they also are a category one. By the way, they've been voted in multiple states, best financial services organization, and, and here's a key, best place to work. Mm. I know all about that. Yes. You talk about tiebreakers. Yeah, a couple of tiebreakers. There are two that are just huge. One is, and a lot of people are starting to finally get this, one is immediate response. Um, to, for me, in my business, it's, and this is one of the three rules of doing business for me, immediate response to clients, uh, prospects, partners, meaning my vendors, my colleagues that I collaborate with, immediate response. If I'm going to San Francisco, I change planes in Dallas, I look at my texts or my messages and my emails, and I will call you and say, Stacy, hey, I'm walking through the through DFW. I'm catching a plane to San Francisco. I got your message. I just want you to know I'm on it. And I can get that information to you no later than close of business tomorrow. But I'm going to answer that call that quick. Because if you make today's customer wait, oh, <laughs> You're a you're a goner. The other one, and this goes hand in hand with that, is simply being easy to do business with. And I ask, I ask owners of businesses all the time, I'll say, if you had the reputation of being the easiest to do business with, 
not only in your industry, but in your in your city, in your marketplace. If you had a reputation of being incredibly easy to do business with, how valuable would that be to your brand? And all of them say that would be huge. And yeah, it would be huge. And then the third one is be a pleasure to do business with. Because if I like you, if I'm looking at three different possible people, companies to do business with, and I really like you, and I come back to the office and I say, Stacy's just the deal. I just, I just like her. I want to do business with her. I will rationalize every way I can to just, I'll, I'll fiddle with the numbers, whatever, to do business with you. The head of a, the CEO of an accounting company told me not too long ago. He said, all things being equal, people do business with people they like. All things not being equal, people do business with people they like. So be a pleasure to do business with. Absolutely, yes. So as we're getting close to the end, I want to go through a couple rapid fire questions with you. One is about leadership, because we know that customer experience can happen without empowered employees in the workforce, and it starts with leadership. So what is the best leadership advice that you've given to others or that you received and pay forward? I received it, and I have since given it to many, many others. And it was from Joe Scarlett, who at the time was the CEO of Tractor Supply Company. And they are one of the case studies in my book, Becoming the Category One. Tractor Supply Company has always had tremendous buy-in from the employees all, all the way through the company. The mission, the values, the goals, what's important. They love working there. They're, they're very enthusiastic. And in the book, I interviewed Joe and I asked him, I said, Joe, how do you do that? How do you get such buy-in? And he said, you know, I wish I had a more complicated answer, but the fact is, we just talk about this stuff all the time. And Joe did that. He would go out on tours to the stores and, and he'd walk in and he'd say, hey, is three a company in this store? Well, what that means is if there's three people lined up in a register, you open another register because we don't want people to wait. And, and the CEO of this huge nationwide company is out in the, he's out in the warehouses saying, he's saying, I'm from corporate. That means I'm overhead. Tell me where we're getting in your way. You know how to run this business. You're doing it. How can we help you? And so he talked about it all the time and I've passed that on forever. Love it. What's one takeaway you want people to remember from this episode and even just being a category one, getting to be a category one, what's that one takeaway? I think it would be this, because I know a lot of the people listening uh, and, and those who are watching, they're, they're leaders. They are in leadership positions. And so, Stacy, I don't know who to credit this to. I heard it years ago and I never learned the source, but I, I didn't come up with this. I wish I had. Just consider this. Your greatest competitive advantage may just be having employees who love to go to work. That might be your single greatest competitive advantage. It, 
I did a speech for a major auto manufacturing company. The head guy was sitting at the table next to me before my speech. They had morale problems, and we were talking about it very frankly. And I said, here's the deal. Nobody gets good service from pissed off employees. And he said, excuse me a minute. And he went back in the behind the stage, and he came back on. And when he got up to introduce me, he said, I want everybody to look at this. He had had them make a slide, and it said, nobody gets good service from pissed off employees, Joe Calloway. He said, I want everybody to look at that slide and think about it, because that's rock solid truth. So let's listen to Joe and our other resources and figure out how we can do better. Take care of your employees. Yes, and Simon Sinek's very well known for that. All right, my last question for you. If you could go back in time and talk to your younger 20-year-old self based on what you know now that you didn't know then, what would you tell younger Joe? That's way back in time, Stacey. (laughs) I think I would say, Joe, let me tell you something, bud. Every good thing that's going to happen to you in your life will be because of a relationship that you have. Mm -hmm. Every good thing will be because of a relationship. This sounds so cliche, but it is so true. Stacy. it's all about relationships. Not just at the end of the day, all the way through the day. It's about relationships. And and yeah, that's the best thing that I've learned. Mm. And what would you tell your future self? So let's say you are 90s, in your 90s. What would you say now that you want your future self to know? You know what I'm telling I'd say future self, remember when you, 20 years ago, meaning right now, remember when you went to Vanderbilt University and got in that master's program? Keep, I'm glad you did stuff like that. And I'm glad you Mm. kept doing stuff like that because I'm in a master's program at Vanderbilt right now. I just want to learn. I, I just want to be engaged. And so I, I, I hope my 90-year-old self keeps doing that sort of thing. Very well said. And we're never done learning and it's never too late to go to school, write the book, which I'm doing now, and all the things that we're uh, putting putting out in the world. So thank you so much for being here. And I will add all of your website and socials into the show notes and just... Thank you for the gift of you today. Thanks, Stacey. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you will apply the lesson shared and also requesting if you would leave a review on Apple would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacey Sherman, Doing CX Right.